welcome to Coffee with Graham. I'm your host, Melissa Simmons. This is a new podcast where we'll discuss different topics in healthcare with ACCME President and CEO, Dr. Graham McMahon. In each episode, we'll get a professional perspective on the latest issues in healthcare and find out how CME is shaping the future for clinicians and educators. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Melissa Simmons, the ACCME Communications Assistant. I am with President and CEO, Dr. Graham McMahon. Hi, Melissa. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. You're most welcome. Physician burnout's been referred to as a public health crisis or an epidemic. When I look at physicians, I see them walking around being professional, and they look like they have everything together. What is burnout, and why is it a crisis? Uh, Well, it's definitely present, and it's definitely a crisis. Um, Burnout is a special type of work-related stress. It's a, a condition where someone's physical or emotional exhaustion has got to a level where it's interfering with their ability to feel accomplished and where they often lose a sense of personal identity. Those are sacrosanct components of what it means to be a professional. So when those are reduced or suppressed, those senses of being it eliminates an individual's ability to perform in the workplace um, and certainly impairs impairs their ability to learn new things. So burnout affects many things, not just the individual clinician, uh, but the team in which they're performing and, of course, the ability of that person to provide safe and effective care for the community around them. And, of course, that's an epidemic, not just in the number of physicians and healthcare workers who are burned out, but the impact on our community is vast and contributes to a whole range of errors that um, affect patient outcomes. So what are some factors that would lead to physicians being burned out? What, what's part of the problem? Uh, there are many, unfortunately, and they're not easily identified or easily solved in many cases uh, because for each individual, they may be different. But fundamentally, you can go back to basic human needs. If you look at Maslow's five levels, They started, for example, physiological, safety, belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. And for sophisticated professionals like healthcare workers, they're all working harmoniously to help somebody thrive. So certainly you need to have your physiological needs met for sleep, for food, for water. You need to be safe in your environment uh, so that you don't feel threatened either by your patients or by the community in which you work. But you also must have some degree of financial safety or financial security. So you're not worried always about the productivity deadlines or uh, the effect of maybe not seeing that extra patient might have on your family's ability to, uh, to afford uh, tuition or something. The third level and the fourth and the fifth levels are more fundamental. This idea of belonging, this third level, is incredibly important for helping somebody thrive. It allows uh, connections to occur, for example, in the workplace, to feel supported by a team, to feel supported and connected to the institution that might employ you or your community of healthcare professionals. That's increasingly a challenge in our environment. Fourth level, esteem, respect, recognition, uh, freedom, control, particularly issues around freedom and control are often absent in our healthcare environment where increasingly clinicians are subject to a variety of productivity targets and RVU expectations, 
they are not free to choose the right medicines or right treatments for their patients because of many constraints around pre-approvals and authorizations, etc. And they don't feel in control of their own determinations. That really limits a clinician's ability to see the effect of their work and to feel like they're empowered and have high esteem in the community. And finally, self-actualization, which may seem like a silly thing to be talking about when we're talking about professional development and professional integrity, but these are amongst our most sophisticated um, community members. They're highly accomplished, they're very thoughtful, they're very capable, and they can achieve self-actualization in that they can achieve mastery in certain levels and they are desirous of being able to achieve the best outcomes for their patients. But anytime you limit that effect, you're interfering with this individual's ability to achieve uh, these levels of human needs, and that causes problems that can lead to burnout. A number of organizations are continuing the conversation. The National Academy of Medicine, they released their action collaborative on clinician well-being. A lot of other organizations are coming out with their case studies. What are some solutions to burnout? Well, CME has been considered by some to be part of the problem, and certainly by others and by us, it's considered part of the solution. Now, certainly, um, education, and I put that in inverted commas, can be used as a, as a draconian tool that can be an irritant and a frustration to clinicians. If you keep requiring clinicians to complete obligate educational requirements that have no relevant value to the individual, then of course they're going to be frustrated and feel encumbered by that obligation. They'll do it because they're a compliant community, but they'll get angry and they'll get um, irritated by these uh, requirements that uh, don't seem to have any value for them meeting their human needs or achieving mastery. That's obviously a frustration, and CME providers uh, should not be in the business of promulgating irrelevant um, um, materials to their community. They should base their education on real needs. But the opposite is definitely true. Education and professional development in particular, as deployed through CME, can be an important resource to reduce, uh, cure burnout, and improve professional satisfaction and helping clinicians achieve self-actualization even. Um, across a number of axes. If you look at, for example, belonging, education is a powerful convening force. You can bring us together as a community, can help us get talking to each other, get to know each other. It can bring teams together. Those are very insulating for us in our ability to feel nurtured and nourished in our workplace and are important for professional identity. For esteem, freedom, control, education can sometimes help you see the effects of your work. So, for example, CME that focuses on reviewing your data, improving your performance, looking at outcome data, seeing where you have gaps, improving, that's really helpful to help clinicians see the effectiveness of their work, particularly as they make changes and modifications to their own practice profile. They can see how those changes are affecting patient outcomes, and that's very satisfying. You can actually see the impact of the work you're doing on the patients you serve. And then in terms of self-actualization, education can help people be at their best. When you're learning, you're intellectually stimulated, you're growing, you're feeling that growth yourself. We came to medical school, we came to this profession because we love to learn and we learn to care. 
And as a result, when you put in front of people high quality learning experiences that help them achieve that mastery, then you're achieving levels of self-actualization that can promote professional sustenance and help people feel good about themselves. I read an article that said physicians aren't being burned out. They're suffering from moral injury. What is moral injury? And when should I use that term instead of burnout? Well, there are two different components of of what it means to be a professional in today's environment. Um, Burnout is, as we've talked, this state of stress uh, related to a variety of environmental factors. Moral injury is a state of self-belief based on your the context of your work in a community. Um, and the two are different, but they're related. Certainly patient, people who are burned out um, can perceive moral injury as well. And part of the reason they're burned out is this lack of esteem, uh, this perception that they're being forced to do things that are counter to their, to their patient's interest and that they feel injured by being forced into that position. Um, So those are discrepant uh, or different issues. They're related um, and they're mutually um, reinforcing. So burnout and moral injury together are worse than either alone. Wow. And you're a practicing endocrinologist. Have you ever been burned out? Yeah, I've certainly had occasions where I've been burned out and um, it was very unpleasant. Um, And I can think back of the factors that led me into those positions with workload taking on more than I was capable of handling, the evolution of stress related to those tasks, but also the disconnection as I tried to achieve those targets for myself and for my patients, uh, getting disconnected from the teams that were actually there to help me, getting disconnected from the community that was there to support me because I said, I don't have time to learn or I'm doing just fine, thank you very much, I don't need anyone else involved. I wanted to focus on all the things that actually were just perpetuating the problem. And it came to a point where I simply couldn't meet those expectations anymore and I had to make a change. And that was an important transition point for me and um, has been, uh, different clinicians have made different choices uh, when faced with those observations. Well, what did you do to make that change? Well, I changed a variety of things for myself. It involved getting more help Um, uh, intentionally creating a team around me, um, changing the uh, volume of patients I was deciding and agreeing to see, and changing some of the other um, requirements around me or things that I had committed to that I stepped away from, um, uh, even though those were things I was really interested in doing. Um, So essentially making a change to the structure of my work and the people around me and taking sacrifices as a result of those changes. And so what, would, what advice would you give to other healthcare leaders and how to reduce burnout and promote well-being in the workplace? Well, I think the first thing is to realize that uh, your people are your most precious commodity. If you're a healthcare employer, if you're a CEO, if you're a COO of a hospital or a health system, or even if you're an insurer or a um, medical malpractice carrier, remember that your people are absolutely critical. And we make a lot of assumptions about our healthcare workforce because we're so used to taking them for granted. Of course they're professional and of course they're ethical and of course they can just do more if we just ask them to do more and couch it in, in, in a justification of saying it's all about um, patient well, wellness and, and good outcomes. I'm sure they'll, they'll just do the right thing, right? 
And that just grows and grows and grows. And eventually clinicians at some point reach a breaking point. And many of them have. So the first thing is recognizing that uh, healthcare workers are people too and that they have important needs and wants and that they have to feel connected, they have to feel supported, they have to be feel safe and secure and they have to be given opportunities for growth. And I think that the key thing is from our perspective and the, our worldview is that uh, investment in your people um, intentionally and with care and listening will pay enormous dividends in terms of all of the things that organizations care about, like care quality and the culture and the well-being of everybody improves when the environment um, improves. Well, great. Sounds like a good place to end things right there. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Graham. If you enjoyed this conversation, we're always looking to extend the discussion on CME. Feel free to reach out with topics you'd like us to cover or let us know how you're addressing these issues in your organization. Thank you for listening and catch us on the next episode of Coffee with Graham.